You're listening to Coffee and Valkyries, a podcast about your favorite NWSL club, O.L. Reign. Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Valkyries. It is Sunday, March 21st. Uh, is also the start of the NCAA Women's March Madness Tournament. But um, I have here on my screens, Susie, Steve, and Tim. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's the first day of spring, too, or second day. Days are getting longer. Soccer's getting closer. Yeah, I already caught one basketball game. Excited to watch more. Um, It's a fun time of year, for sure. Yes, you know, I think we're all healthy and safe and it's the weekend it's hard to complain too much right now yes and steve adding to your comment about uh spring is here daylight savings time sucks when you're stuck in the pandemic for an entire year you actually feel how fast time is flying now so that's not fun but we are here to talk about a lot of uh general news that's happened in the court uh over the course of the past couple of weeks that we haven't had time to really talk about. Um, first and foremost, when it comes to all rain and the NWSL, the Challenge Cup schedule has been revealed. Uh, panel, your thoughts. You know, I, I was looking at the schedule thinking it's going to be a lot of tough games, but it's, you know, half the league. And I'm sure the Eastern group is also going to be tough with, you know, the courage are going to be strong again. And, Washington's gotten much stronger. And so like, I think it's just gonna be really interesting to kind of see how teams come out and probably play a lot of their younger players at the start because of international windows and stuff. So so it's it's kind of a more exciting version of like what used to be the Thorn Spring Invitational and things like that, where we can kind of see what teams are doing without like quite the high stakes of a regular season. Yeah, I mean, last last year, the rain took some time to really settle in as a team. And you saw in that last Challenge Cup game, things were starting to click. And then they had this huge break and had to wait for the fall series where you saw them building more. So I'm really excited to see what the team can do over the Challenge Cup to really grow as a team and as a unit. And then lo and behold, we get to go into the regular season right after. So I think it's going to be a good opportunity for us to really see like what OL rain can do um, across the whole season this year. Yeah, I think to your point, Susie, like we got to see so little of what this OL rain project is or is going to be. So at the very minimum, it's exciting to have the opportunity to see more of that, to have seen, you know, then get to play after having an uninterrupted preseason as well with free here the whole time. Um, and I think from a watching the rest of the league perspective, there's just so many exciting players that have been added to the league. And as much as we didn't really get to see what the rain were going to be last year, we didn't get to see much of what other teams were going to be either. So it just is, yeah, really exciting to have soccer so close on the horizon here. For those that uh, need a reminder, here's what Oral Reigns Challenge Cup schedule is. 
So their first match is on Friday, April 16th. They will be hosting the Challenge Cup champions, Houston Dash, at Cheney Stadium. And recently, Governor Inslee declared that um, sport, sporting events can have up to 25% capacity in attendance. Uh, Lorraine has yet to fully announce what the plans and logistics are for, for welcoming uh, fans to that game if they feel comfortable and safe enough uh, to do so. And then their next game is five days later, Wednesday, April 21st. They go down to Portland at uh, Providence Park to take on their uh, old friends, the Portland Thorns FC. And then Tuesday, April 27th, they return to Cheney Stadium to host the Chicago Red Stars. And then on Monday, May 3rd, they travel to Kansas City to take on Kansas City NWSL. Um, is there anything uh, anyone would like to add to comment regarding the rest of the schedule or the fact that fans will be allowed to attend uh, the first match at Cheney Stadium? I think that um, I, I think it'll be exciting that the Thorns just announced they got the same exemption as well. So um, they'll be able to welcome fans. And I think uh, good experience all around for players to get to experience, you know, a limited number of fans in the stand and grow back into, you know, having, having some, some noise and some excitement in the stadium. So I don't know. I'm just overall um, excited. I know, you know, it sounded like perhaps a month ago, team, the team was sort of operating under the assumption that maybe later in the year they'd have fans. So this is a little bit of new information. And I think if people are eager to get answers right away, just is going to take a little bit of patience as they figure out like the best way to welcome fans back. I think the one sort of trepidation that I've had about stadiums opening up again to whatever extent they are opened, um, you know, I'm happy and excited for players to be able to play in front of fans again. I know that the experience of playing in empty stadiums has been strange and difficult. I'm happy and excited for people who are going to be able to go. Um, I think, you know, the, the way vaccine rollout has happened in Washington has been kind of strange and complicated and particularly with food service and restaurant workers not being included in the earlier phases. Um, just the idea of stadium staff being required to come and work, whether they're working concessions or in some other capacity and not being eligible for vaccines yet really bummed and stressed me out. Uh, seeing that starting the end of this month, restaurant workers at least are included in vaccine eligibility makes me feel a little bit more comfortable that you know, there's less likely to be people who are required to be there without the added layer of safety of a vaccine. Um, but I think definitely exciting. It feels like a step towards whatever our new version of normalcy is going to be. So even in that capacity, it, it is a nice thing to see happening. We move on to the team announcing a couple of signings uh, that happened, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? 
everyone's just nodding yes so. it, it was about, it was it was a what week is ago. time yeah <laughs> so yeah um ol rain had announced that they had signed forward miranda nailed and goalkeeper Alad uh derek yes okay any comments on those signings folks? Um, well and then right away as soon as they announced that they signed Nil, they announced that she was going on loan to sweden for the whole year which is a, a very interesting kind of advancement of, of something we've seen from them in the past where they've um drafted players in the past like celia who then finished college and played briefly with the sounders women her first year and, and then went on loan before actually eventually signing with the rain the following year. And then Michaela George last year also, I think didn't see any playing time in the challenge cup and then went on loan to, to Denmark, I believe it was before now she's come back. So this is like a little bit more what you see in the men's game where, where teams see potential prospects, but they want to see them develop a little bit more and get some playing time before they actually come in to, to play for the, the team that, sign them. So I'm very curious to see kind of how this plays out for, for Nild in the rain. Yeah, it's uh, might be confusing for some fans of the women's game, just because Steve said much more common on the men's side, but hasn't been as much of a regular occurrence in the NWSL. But you look at it as a the team's keeping her rights. They have the benefit of being able to send her on loan, which is, uh, you know, they're getting money in return for sending a player on loan. So it, um, and she gets to develop and get a lot more game time than she probably would this year under OL Reign. So she's still really young and a player who obviously they see has uh, potential and seems like a great opportunity. On the goalkeeper front too, um, the team has indicated they wanted to, um, you know, have three goalkeepers on roster for the whole season. They have the roster space to be able to do that. And they're signing a local WSU grad goalkeeper who was incredible in her like early seasons at WSU and was part of a team that got them to the to the college cup for um, a very underrated um, or under the radar WSU team and I think she she shows a lot in her highlights of like potential and like what a good opportunity for her to get a chance to really prove herself I can't imagine she's going to get a lot of game time this year but um, she's going to develop under really veteran goalkeeper and a great coach. So um, exciting to see what she may be able to do after this season. I think, I, you know, just looking at her stats from WSU, one of the, the things that jumps out is that she's the all-time leader for the Cougars in wins, games played, and minutes, which suggests that she has some durability, which I think with the injury luck that the rain have had over the last several years is sort of a standout trait to me that she seems like someone that they can trust to be there when she's needed for a game and at the very least is you know gonna be able to be there to keep numbers up in training which is a valuable thing to have so looking at the old rain roster right now uh with these two signings Let's go through it um, by position and then whatever you guys want to comment on what stands out or what's of interest to you, feel free to do so. For goalkeepers, we have Karen Bardsley, Ella Diderik, and Cosette Morse. Bardsley, as we know, is on loan till the end of June. 
defenders, we have Lauren Barnes, Amber Brooks, Celia, Steph Cox, Michaela George, Madison Hammond, and Sam Hyatt. Midfielders, we have Angelina, Shirley Cruz, Jess Fishlock, uh, she's expected to report in April, Kelsey Hedge, Ellie Long, Kristen McNabb, Quinn, Danny Weatherholt, and Rosie White. Forwards, we have Bethany Balser, Sofia Huerta, Ziara King, Miranda Mild on loan in Sweden till the end of the year, a calendar year that is, Leah Pruitt, Megan Rapino, Jasmine Spencer, Ali Watt, and Nicole Momiki. I'll just start at goalkeeper because um, I know that's obviously an area on the field people are paying a lot of attention to since the rain lost their two um, goalkeepers from last year. Um, I think so for people who don't know, Karen Bardsley has been England's number one goalkeeper for like more than a decade. Um, but she got hurt heading into the semifinals of the Women's World Cup, um, tore her hamstring, and it actually required surgery. So she was out for like 15 months after that due to COVID and recovery. Um, and she's going to be fighting really hard to come back. Um, she came, she took this loan so she could really get more minutes um, because when she came back from her injury, she was sort of behind uh, Manchester City's starting goalkeeper. Um, so she's going to be really eager to try to get a spot on England's um, Olympic roster. So I think people shouldn't write her off, um, even if she hasn't played for 15 months. She's a super smart goalkeeper who is really athletic. And um, I think, um, from my opinion, is probably who, who the reigns number one is right now. Um, and so it's really exciting for them to um, have brought in a player of her quality. Don't let age fool you with her. <laughs> yeah, particularly with goalkeepers, they actually seem to improve as they age. And, and so having, you know, the other two goalkeepers are both fairly young and, and still kind of learning at the pro level. And so I think it's going to be really exciting to kind of see how they, they develop. And, and then Bardsley is going to be leaving probably in June. So there's, there's a little bit of uncertainty going forward with, with the, situation is going to be there but there's also strong rumors that there may be another experienced goalkeeper coming to the rain after that where they can continue to keep learning and then you know there's going to be an expansion draft next year that the rain are going to be well positioned for i think in terms of having oh well well positioned in that they'll probably have an exciting prospect or two selected but they also have a lot of depth to steve's point about the youth of the two non-Bardsley goalkeepers on the roster. I think it's it's funny to look back at some of the hand-wringing earlier this offseason about the rain having no goalkeepers on the roster to now with Diderik and Morshe, they have two young goalkeepers that they can potentially develop to, you know, be long-term answers at that position. Uh, it yeah so much can change in the course of a couple months in an off season especially in women's soccer in particular where i think the player pool is much larger than we often realize because the professional landscape is still relatively small uh, just as funny how that works sometimes i think one sort of theme overall with the rain heading into this year is um, they have a lot of quality players, um, and I would say a lot of young players who perhaps 
have flown under the radar a little bit, um, who have a real chance to shine. Um, I mean, we got to see some of Leah Pruitt, Leah Pruitt last year, but she could have a real breakout year. Ziara King, same thing. We got to see some really promising stuff in her rookie year, but she has the potential. Um, nobody knows a lot about Angelina in the midfield, but um, also another player who could surprise a lot of people. So um, even, and that goes for goalkeeper as well, um, which is really exciting. I think it means that they're going to be a team that's hard to predict at the beginning, but um, probably going to be out to prove themselves a lot. It, it is really interesting that we can probably write like four or five names in pen in the starting 11, but for the rest, there's probably like 15 players that could potentially fill those other spots. And it's not, oh, we don't have any quality there. It's we almost have too many quality players to select from. So, so part of the challenge cup might be figuring out which combinations of players work best together. Like, we kind of got hints of that in the fall series where we saw Momiki serving balls into the middle of the box. So like uh, having a player like Bethany Balser in the middle there to get on the end of that service might be more effective. But if, if uh, you know, we a different player is in, in midfield instead that, that likes playing balls low, then having somebody else at forward partnered with her could be more effective too. So it's going to be really, really exciting kind of to see how this uh, plays out. Probably, you know, not for challenge cup but the two players listed as being on the season ending injury list uh Allie Watt and Kelsey Hedge are both players who at the professional level we really have seen very little of uh but they seem to both be making pretty significant progress towards a return and that you know probably doesn't involve making it back in time for the challenge cup but by regular season that's two brand new players effectively that could push some of the more veteran players or just add young talented depth uh just as it's interesting to look at how full and deep the roster is particularly in the midfield net forward it's still crazy how both uh hedge and watt uh toward their respective acls basically a day uh removed from each other um and it's you know they recently did a Q&A I think like a second update the Q&A as to their road respective roads to recovery I think they're both still quite a ways away from you know stepping onto the field in you know in terms of a competitive match but um I do recall both saying that they were just making fantastic progress on their recoveries and I think what's also important and also just good to know is that the rain are not r rushing either player back to recover. Like uh, on paper, there appears to be enough depth for uh, the team. So they don't need to rush, you know, somebody from a devastating injury to say, Hey, we need you right now because, you know, we don't have any worth within that uh, disposition. So it's at least uh, encouraging that, while they are making great progress and I think in some cases uh, a little bit ahead of uh, whatever their uh, schedules or their uh, initial timelines were that they're not being rushed to return like uh, we may not see either one uh, at all in 2021 and I think that's going to be completely fine in that rather have them make a full proper recovery versus be 95% of the way in and that's deemed good enough. 
But uh, Steve, as you had mentioned her in terms of somebody we saw a little bit of at the Challenge Cup and Fall Series and then waiting to see what she can do with like a full uh, regular season, Nicole Mumiki, after this break, you will actually hear her very first English language interview. Uh, she did it with us. And so uh, you'll get to know a little bit more about uh, forward Nicole Momiki after the break. We are here with OL Rain forward Nicole Momiki. Uh, this is her very first English interview. Uh, so Nicole, thank you very much uh, for uh, giving us the honor and the privilege to be talking uh, to you in your first uh, English interview. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Thank you for giving the opportunity to speak English and I'm so nervous because <laughs> it's my first time. It's, it's understandable, but uh, we will be uh, uh, very patient and accommodating with you. So don't worry about that. Thank you. Um, first question that we have uh, is, can you recall how your move to join OL Rain in 2020 uh, happened? And what was your reaction when you found out that the club was interested uh, in you? Um, I didn't think it was real because US women's soccer is the best in the world now. And Rain is also one of the best team in the US. So I couldn't imagine that I played in here. Um, before, Rain contacted me. I wanted to go to Europe, mm -hmm. but after knowing Rain is making change and Megan Rapino is here. Mm -hmm. So even if my style doesn't fit to US style, I decided to come, but it was the biggest challenge for me. Okay. And uh, for those that may not be familiar and, uh, or at least have the access to have watched uh, you play before in Japan, how would you describe your style of play? Um, I don't have physical like speed, power, height, mm -hmm. but I have uh, brain and skills. So I can make change by dribbling, passing and shooting mm -hmm. that you can't imagine. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so when you found out that the club was interested in you um, and you probably had done your research about, you know, the team and, uh, you know, who, the, who was on the squad and everything, um, had you had a chance uh, to talk with um, the, form, uh, the other Japanese players that used to be on the team in Nahomi Kawasumi and, and or Rumi Utsugi about what, what it's like uh, being a part of this team? Um, before I came here, I couldn't talk with them mm -hmm. because it was happening too fast. Mm -hmm. But Naho and I talked at the Challenge Cup last year. Mm -hmm. And she said every teammates and staffs are kind and nice, aren't they? And I said, exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so speaking of uh, your first year in the NWSL and with uh, the rain, um, after the Challenge Cup, you go on loan to Sweden. And unfortunately, due to injury, yeah, your time in Sweden was cut short. So overall, uh, how are you feeling uh, in terms of your, your recovery from your injury? Yeah, it was too short to play, mm -hmm. but I liked playing in Sweden. 
and the style of soccer, culture, people, everything is different from Japan and the US, but I like it. And my food is good to play now. Sometimes it hurts a little bit, but totally fine. Okay, that's good. Um, for OL Rain fans that might not be familiar uh, with your story, you were born in the United States, but then moved to Japan for your childhood uh, and basically have been living there ever since until you came over here. How much did you stay connected to the U.S. before uh, moving over here? Uh, I moved to Japan when I was three, mm -hmm. so I don't remember so much. Okay. But in summer 2019, I went to New York as a trip with my family. It's it was the first time since I was born, mm -hmm. and I watched Moulin Rouge on Broadway, and <laughs> I had breakfast at Tiffany. Mm. It was so cool. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite uh, meal or most memorable meal uh, when you went to New York on that vacation? Um, I went to Peter Luger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the steak was so good. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, with 2020, um, obviously the team did not play a whole lot of games because of the pandemic. Um, what were your What are your reflections on just the level of play in that first year of the NWSL? Um, I can make a difference for especially in small space possessing. Mm -hmm. I like I could make an assist in challenge cup. So I have quite confidence on my crossing against NWSL players. On the other hand, of course, I have to improve more such as physical, mm -hmm. which is not good enough yet to fight against them. Since preseason has started, I have been training hard to make my physical stronger to reach world standard level, by which I think it will also make my results better than last year. That's awesome. Um, what uh, that said, what has been the biggest adjustment for you coming from Japan to Tacoma, whether it's uh, you know in terms of soccer or just off the field with you know uh, the big life. Uh, change so for now i'm living by myself in tacoma mm -hmm. but i had lived with my family whole life so living by myself and being separate with them is the hardest thing mm -hmm. for me and i like tacoma so much because here has beautiful oceans and mountains mm -hmm. And it was so easy to difficult. Uh, it was so easy to adjust to the environment. And I have never changed my club before. So I thought making friends in another country is very difficult, but everyone in here are so nice and kind. So it wasn't difficult that's good and hopefully as things get better with uh 
uh, you know, vaccines and everything seems to open up. Hopefully, uh, just later this year, your family can come over for a visit mm -hmm. just to so you can show them around Tacoma and you know they can enjoy a little bit about uh, Washington State in, in general. Yeah, I will do someday. Mm -hmm. um, you recently did an interview where you talked about the influence that uh, Naomi Osaka and Megan Rapino had on you. Um, how have how have they changed your perspective? Um, I became able to believe more power of sports, mm -hmm. women's sports and athletes. And also they changed my perspective to think of sports. I was thinking that it is enough to play own sport for athletes, mm -hmm. but it was wrong. We have power and responsibility as athletes. So it's like for kids who want to be like us or same generation to make a change to the world. So Naomi and Megan changed everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we found out that you recently started your own podcast. Uh, what was the inspiration uh, for that? Um, Honestly, I don't know, <laughs> because I suddenly decided to start. But I like listening radio and podcast in mm -hmm. Japan. And also telling myself for my experience is an important thing for athletes. Mm -hmm. People who support and encourage us want to know players' personality like I do. Um, I'm doing it in only Japanese now, mm -hmm. but I want to do it. I want to try only English someday. Okay. Yeah. And um, we mm -hmm. imagine that the feedback for it has been uh, positive because um, I'm sure there's a lot of people back in Japan that want to, you know, keep tabs on how you're doing uh, and just, you know, beyond watching the games is just wanting to know how you're doing. And I just, remember about how when Ichiro first came to America and was playing for the Seattle Mariners, how, you know, there was an army of uh, press and media people just following him from Japan just to, you know, keep, you know, keep everybody updated on, uh, you know, how he's doing and uh, on the field, but also off it. So I think it's a very, uh, it's great that you started your own podcast and, you know, can um, just keep everybody updated as to how things are going for you here. And we look forward to when you uh, start doing an, ep when you do an episode in English. <laughs> so how has, uh, how has it been, um, you know, learning English and how, how have the teammates been helping you with that? Um, for me, I think Writing and listening is better than last year, mm -hmm. but speaking is difficult for me because I think Japanese to English is the most difficult translation. Mm -hmm. So my teammates help me so much because they speak slow and perfectly mm -hmm. so it helps me a lot 
but I have to improve my English skills too. So yeah, I'm learning. Yeah, I, I, I can relate because uh, when I was growing up, when I, I moved to the United States when I was five. So when I went to school, I did have to go to um, take additional classes in learning English. So I, you know, still remember pretty well as to, you know, it is hard it, and, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and practice. So I totally understand and can relate. Um, it's time for uh, some fun questions that we've asked uh, your other OL uh, rain teammates over the years. Um, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely no. <laughs> I don't like fruits get warm. Okay. So, no. Okay. <laughs> um, if a movie were to be made about your life, Nicole, uh, who would you like to play you? Um, a little girl who is small but wants to be beat big one or who wants to change the world, mm -hmm. not the only on the field. Okay. Yeah. And then if you were in charge of uh, putting music on for the team on match day, what three songs would you play? First, Shop and Dance by Walk the Moon. Mm -hmm. And second, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Mm -hmm. Third, Dynamite by BTS. Very good on that, <laughs> on that last one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, so uh, obviously with the pandemic, you know, none of us were going out and really uh, doing much. And one thing that I did during the course of last year was get into uh, K-pop and specifically BTS. And, yeah. I, and I understand the, the appeal <laughs> and why it is, why it's so easy for anybody to become uh, a member of ARMY. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ARMY. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Nicole, at the end of our interviews with uh, OL Rain Place, we like to give the last word to them. So uh, this is your moment to say anything, whether it be to OL Rain fans or to friends and family that might, that might be listening to this. The floor is yours. Okay, so I came here last year. So during the pandemic, mm -hmm. so I couldn't meet our fans. But this year, there is opportunity to, you can come to see our games at the Challenge Cup. So please come to the stadium to watch Rain's game in Challenge Cup. And I'm looking forward to seeing your faces at the stadium. Thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, Nicole, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us and hopefully you had fun uh, doing your first uh, English interview. Thank you so much. It was really fun. <laughs> okay, we are back. Folks, your impressions on Nicole Momiki's first uh, interview with us. I think if we didn't know that was the first time she was speaking live in English to reporters, I would have never guessed. She, her English was great. I mean, 
I, I remember the first time I tried to speak French when I went to France for the World Cup two years ago and completely butchered just ordering a pizza. So I can't imagine how how much, uh, you know, it's she's very clearly very comfortable and fluent. And I thought it was really fun to get to, to talk to her. What kind of pizza were you ordering? And did you eventually get it? I did. It was a, a four cheese pizza. But <laughs> my brain wanted to go to Quattro Fromaggio because of just all the silly Italian pizzas you mm -hmm. see. But <laughs> I think that my impression was she just seemed like she'd be such a fun and awesome teammate. Like what she just has such great energy. And um, I, I'm also just extremely honored and like grateful that she was brave enough because I, I know how probably intimidating it can be to, to do the interview. So um, just really grateful that she did it. One of the things that really stood out for me beyond just as Steve noted, being blown away by how good her English is for that being her first recorded English interview um, was the, I think the level of self-awareness when it comes to her game and how she fits into the reign as a teammate and as a player. Um, I think that that often is such a, I think that sort of self-awareness and introspection is uncommon generally, but it seems particularly as a an athlete. So hearing her so accurately be able to describe what her strengths and areas that she needs to improve or wants to improve in are, because I I don't think I particularly noticed watching her play during the Challenge Cup last year that she was especially lacking physically or struggling to keep up. Um, but that does seem like something that if she could increase that or improve in that area, she would just be even more impactful. Uh, so that was something that I think was fun to listen to her talk about. I should note too, I think in the first segment, I said that she provided an assist to Balser in the fall series, but it was in fact in the Challenge Cup because as we mentioned in our interview, she went to Sweden for the fall series and then unfortunately got injured. Yeah. What is time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is time? Um, yeah, just to echo what you three have said about um, her comfort and fluency in speaking English. Uh, you know, I said it during the interview segment, but yeah, as much as, you know, supposedly weren't you know, we don't make ourselves part of the story, but, you know, it, it was a completely relatable experience to me in that, you know, when I moved to the U.S. when I was five, uh, I think, uh, I think a year or two, you know, into attending uh, school, I did have to take um, English as a second language course on top of my general education. And obviously, times were completely different where I was six, seven years old. It was well before the uh, internet became a thing. And obviously nobody's trying to interview me at six or seven in, as I'm learning English, but still, you know, I, it's, I understood why she was, you know, nervous coming into doing this interview because, you know, you don't want to say something out of context or say the wrong phrasing and just kind of, you know, have an awkward moment, but yeah, no awkward moments uh, throughout the course of, just talking with her and you know the comfort and the fluency was so evident and like what Tim said you know she's uh honest about where her strengths are but also what areas she needs to improve on and just how 
you know, determined and hungry she is to improve on those things in her game. And last but not least, come on, BTS has one of her match day playlist songs. That what more do you need? Jacob finally got his BTS person. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's another person on this team, at least uh, one other player that would have a BTS song on their match day playlist. If anyone has not listened to BTS, and particularly I, after listening to Momiki mentioned Dynamite, I went and watched the Dynamite music video. It is just an absolute joy and delight. Um, I think it's it's interesting. There's not a ton of like early 2000s nostalgia because it generally just was a terrible time for everyone. <laughs> Uh, but BTS seems to capture the like particular small joys of the early 2000s in a like pop R&B sensibility uh, that just is very infectious. So absolutely encourage people to check that out. Yeah. And if anything, I also encourage anybody to has been mildly curious about why is it such a big deal. Watch the Netflix explained episode on K-pop. It's like 23 minutes, but it covers basically how it became such an important thing for South Korea to just introduce their culture uh, and their um, creative offerings to the entire world. Uh, so people can learn a little bit more about uh, South Korean culture. But um, obviously at the time of they of them producing that episode, BTS uh, was and still is like the biggest K-pop act to kind of represent the genre and also South Korea as a whole. But seriously, watch that epi uh, episode of Netflix Explained. 23 minutes, you'll understand. At least you may not become a K-pop fan afterwards, but I would like to think you would appreciate and respect why it's become such a juggernaut that it is and, and why BTS are having their moment in the sun right now. And uh, speaking of other really cool and fun things, so a couple days ago, Mariners outfielder Braden Bishop tweeted um, a really cool uh, initiative that him and his wife, uh, Brianna, are doing for this season. The gist of it is that they are buying two season tickets to both OL Reign and Seattle Storm and gifting them to... Uh, they're still working on which uh, group uh, that can facilitate it. But basically, they want those tickets to go to youth and women in the Seattle-Tacoma area who basically otherwise may not have the means to attend a game uh, this season. And uh, at the very end of their announcement, they are basically challenging other male athletes to do the same. Buy tickets to local women's sports teams. Uh, to you know, drum up support. And if for whatever reason they can't do it financially, just come up with other creative ways to basically bring that same energy to supporting women's sports. Um, panel, your thoughts on this uh, wonderful initiative that the bishops are doing? I think it's super um, exciting. And I think you know people have talked about it a lot when we talk about racism or when we talk about sexism we're not going to solve anything if it's only the people who are impacted that are 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 raising their voices or trying to do something about it to so to have someone like Braden and his family um take a step and use their 
privilege in their platform in a really positive way is um, really awesome. And I think hopefully we see a lot more of it because I mean, you know, people of my age and generation, like we didn't get to see women on playing sports on TV. We didn't get to go to professional sports games very often. Like it, it's becoming so much more of a regular, but unless people get to see it, they won't believe it. And they won't, um, you know, girls and young women growing up just won't see that as an option or um, something that that's for them. So um, I just think it's really really cool and I hope we get to see them at a rain game in the future and I think the way he he and his wife presented it too is very important because it's not just being presented as charity for the sake of we're going to be charitable to these teams it's just normalizing that yes you know male athletes men can and should be buying tickets and supporting these teams and then there is a charity component to it where he's identifying where they are identifying people who might want to attend games but might not otherwise have the resources to do so so the the framing of it also i think is just as important as the actual action that is being taken yeah there's nothing that annoys me more than people blaming the lack of attendance in women's sports on women not being interested enough um it like anyone can enjoy women's sports it's not just women so to your point steve just saying like this is something that's for everybody and we're going to give it to an opportunities to uh, additional opportunities to young women or, and girls who wouldn't otherwise be able to watch. I think that's so spot on. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a couple season tickets for two teams. That's not that much, but it's so often that I think particularly in the last year, we've seen male professional athletes tweeting their support of women's professional leagues and that's it they you know talk about it but there's no real weight to back that up Braden Bishop is not you know he makes more than any of us talking right now but he's not on some like mega million dollar contract he's putting his money where his mouth is and backing up what he's talking about and the impact that that could have is exponential. I mean, the experience of being able to go to a game and see potentially people who look like these fans who are getting to attend because of these tickets, being able to see themselves represented on the field and see that this could be an option for them, that they could be a professional athlete, that that is a realistic or possible goal for them to strive for. If that opportunity changes one person's life, that's a huge impact to have made and it could potentially have a much larger impact than that. And to our understanding as well, uh, Bishop said that um, he uh, plans to attend an OL Reign match and also uh, wearing a Ziara King jersey at said match. Obviously, there's a matter of, you know, sorting out his MLB uh, schedule and then also personal life schedule because we found out that uh, him and his wife, Brianna, are expecting their first child later this year. So congrats to them. But that said, this is an open invitation to the bishops to uh, be a guest on Coffee and Valkyries. Um, basically, after whichever OL Reign match they attend, so they can talk about 
you know, just break down the game from their eyes and, you know, just get to talk to some uh, fellow OL Reign fans. So, Brayden, Brianna, if you are listening to this or this gets anywhere near your radar, consider this an open invitation to appear on Coffee and Valkyries and just talk with us about OL Reign. I was just going to add to speaking of podcasts, I love that he gave a shout out to um, Burn It All Down, which is an awesome podcast. Mm-hmm. If people haven't checked it out, um, I highly recommend it. And I just love that he's also like absorbing information from women creators and um, it's just really cool all around. I guess that'll do it for this episode of uh, Coffee and Valkyries. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.